When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of Questions from the Audience. This will fall under the category of a deep dive, um, and I'm looking forward to discussing the 2018 and 2019 Cardinals with you today. Uh, and this is kind of a prelude to the interview that you will hear in its entirety coming up in a handful of days uh, that I just conducted yesterday. Today is Wednesday, October 3rd, 2018. I did the interview with Cardinal Chairman Bill DeWitt yesterday on October 2nd. Uh, And so some of you may have heard some of the clips we played on the Ryan Kelly Morning After or seen some of the clips I tweeted out uh, or posted on Facebook, some video clips of the interview. And so I have some of that context, but also it's just going to be opining based on what he said, what I saw in 2018, and um, kind of a state of the organization, so to speak, as they head into this offseason and then prepare for 2019, which would be, if they don't get into the playoffs, the first time since 95 where the Cardinals would have missed the playoffs for more than three seasons in between Uh, the pennant of 1987 and the appearance in the NLCS in 1996 being the biggest drought of the vast majority of our lifetime. So that is what we are doing here today. The question came on the TMA fan page about the Cardinals. And I thought, you know what? I'm fresh off this interview with Bill DeWitt. Uh, So I know where he is coming from. I know what he is saying. I also think I have an idea of where a healthy percentage of the fan base is. And, uh, and what their thoughts are. And therefore, I, with those two pieces of information, uh, can, can opine uh, and kind of do a, uh, a eulogy, so to speak, on 2018, but kind of a state of the organization, in my opinion, on the 2019 offseason uh, and what the Cardinals could, should do for 2019, not just for on-the-field purposes, but also for a fan base that had angst going into 2018 and as things just wrap up for the 2018 regular season, I don't see much less angst than it was when the season started. If anything, it would be more. So that is where we are today. I hope you enjoy the conversation. I always enjoy the feedback uh, and you are always welcome to send me emails for questions, for feedback, for criticism. Everything is welcome. Ideally, Uh, the email is conducted like you would have in a conversation as opposed to some of the shit that you see on social media. Uh, But uh, if you could, email me at tmckernan at insidestl.com. I always like to hear what people have to say. So there it is. Uh, We're in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly and his team, the sponsor of our studios. The podcast is now a year old. Woot! 
And Ryan Kelly has been with us from the very beginning. He's online at thehomeloanexpert.com, the sponsor of our studios, and somebody who's been a guest on the show, as a matter of fact. And he wasn't a guest because I'm like, oh, he's a sponsor. I best have him as on as a guest because, you know, James Carlton's a sponsor, Mark Hanna's a sponsor, Seth Goldcamp, Design Air's a sponsor, Johnny Londoff's a sponsor. Listen, they're all sponsors. I know them all. I think the world of them all. Uh, Ryan told his story one time when we were hanging out, and I go, my God, this is this is absolutely fascinating to hear what you were doing when you were in your mid-20s and what you've built here over the last 15 years. It's incredible. It's, it's an entrepreneurial story. And then when I have him in and he tells his story and I'm going, wow, it's not just hard work and great marketing. This guy really does have some incredible knowledge and insight on the mortgage industry, which is another reason why he's been so successful. He's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Bottom line is this, he's going to save you money. So if you're buying a home or if you're looking to refinance, only one place to go. It's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com, our studio sponsor here on the Tim McKernan Show. So I'm going to attempt to deep dive, and it's just me and Gangster Pete sitting in the homeloanexpert.com studios, and I'm just going to riff. This is, uh, this is 8 Mile. This is Rabbit. This is just uh, straight improv. And here is where I am. And I'll start with this because last night I'm sitting with my wife. We had put our son Jameson to bed and uh, she goes, so how, how did it go today? Because she knew not only uh, was it my first time hosting TMA in about a week and we had taken a short vacation, the days of two weeks stays anywhere uh, with a one-year-old as a good number of you know, uh, those are, those are, those are in the past or at least they're not going to be around anytime soon. Uh, and so just to get away for three days in Las Vegas, a place that we had spent a lot of time, uh, over the last, uh, I guess 10, 11 years we've been together, uh, where I would play in the world series of poker, those days of, of two weeks at a time where I would play in a bunch of different poker tournaments, those are over. So just to be out there, super cool, played more golf than poker, went to the restaurants we love, went to bed at 1030. It was wonderful. It was a very, uh, different type of Las Vegas trip than what, what one most think of when they think of Las Vegas, but it was my first day back on the Ryan Kelly morning after, not a huge deal, love doing the show. Um, and, but also I, I get done with the program and gangster Pete and Iggy to their credit had, had, uh, the blues broadcast team, the radio broadcast team of Chris Kerber and Joey Vitale coming in. And that is an upcoming interview here on the Tim McKernan show that you will hear. So they were in the homeloanexpert.com studios. And then in between uh, an interview that we knew we had coming with Bill DeWitt, who was coming here to Kirkwood to join us in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios, uh, at 2.30 in the afternoon, I was going to go next door to Gold's Gym and work out. And so I, I mosey over there, I don't know, like 11.30, 11.45, ah, probably earlier than that, probably 11.15. And uh, another podcast guest, Andy Van Slyke, he oftentimes is working out over there. And Andy... Uh, as we discussed in the podcast, he can't just, we can't just have a conversation when we see each other in the gym, which I like to have, but I feel bad because he's so locked in. He'll see me doing whatever kind of move. And he goes, what are you doing today? I go, well, actually I just got done with Chris Kerber and Joey Vitale and then Bill DeWitt's coming. He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, what are you working on? And I go, today is chest day. Uh, so, uh, he goes, okay, let me see you do what you're going to do. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. This is going to be a whole thing. 
because I know even if I'm doing this with perfect form, he's going to find something wrong and then it's going to become a whole thing. And so I begin doing my warm up sets with incline press, dumbbells, just 40 pounds, nothing really, you know, 40 pounds in each hand. And then I, and then I usually up it and he sees me doing it and he's like, no, 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 no. And then he corrects it, and then it becomes a whole thing. And this is like, I'm like, now I get why you were a professional athlete for 15 years playing big league baseball, coached in a variety of organizations, because this guy is going to work with me until I get this absolutely right. And, you know, what he can do and what I can do, as discussed in his podcast episode, we have different genetics going on. And so it's a whole thing. And so I start uh, doing it. He corrects me. It becomes a whole process. But I'll tell you this, I learned a hell of a lot. And it speaks to why he's uh, in the shape he's in at, uh, I think, 57 years old, 57, 58 years old. And so I'm working out on that. And then I get a text from Johnny Landoff about lunch. And I had forgotten that we had scheduled to have lunch at noon. And so he's sitting over at Kirkwood brew house and his son's coming up and we're going to have lunch. And I'm like, Oh my God, I got a jet. So I go running over there to have lunch. And just the 25 minutes I worked with Andy on these presses, usually something I feel completely fine this morning. I am in pain from it. And I never even went above 40 pounds when usually I go up to 65 pounds and do like six reps. Andy's got me doing it properly. And after 40 pounds, I can't move my arms like I normally do. So that's why Andy Van Slyke's in great shape. I run over to, to see Johnny Landoff, who I love. Man, do I like that Landoff family. Just really good people. I can't emphasize that enough to you. Uh, they are at uh, I-270 in the Washington Elizabeth exit or 24-7 at Landoff.com, whether it's a new car, pre-owned car, service, Johnny Landoff Chevrolet. And so uh, I have lunch with the Landoffs. It's wonderful. Uh, and, uh, and then I return home because I'm in my workout clothes, shower, and then come up here, and then, I mean, what a what a great job by Iggy and, and Gangster Pete to get Bill DeWitt to come here. I just figured when Bill DeWitt said he'd do an interview that he would say, yeah, come down to my office or meet me at this particular location. And, and sure enough, here at 2.30, here comes the Cardinal chairman. And the thing about it is, is that the Cardinals, unlike most years, I think, I think this is a fair statement because I was talking with Doug and the cat and, and Frank Cusimano about it, what would usually happen when I would do TV is the Cardinals, would, their season would end, and I think every year I did TV minus 2003, they were in the playoffs, and so it would be after the playoff series would end, uh, or in 2004's case, the World Series, and then they clean out their lockers, and you kind of get season-ending interviews, and, and that's that's that. Well, this year they weren't doing it. So here, we have this opportunity, because we had been pursuing Bill DeWitt to be on the podcast for months, that it just so happened, it timed out, to be an incredibly newsworthy time. My intent initially was for it to be more of a feature interview, like many of the interviews are on the podcast, uh, where you're kind of hearing the person's story and then also talking about current issues. So like this week's guest, Darren Pang, learned a lot about him growing up and who he played with. I mean, that he's that close with Steve Eiserman, that he played with Steve Eiserman uh, in his playing career. And even though he's self-deprecating, I mean, he did play in the NHL, so the man had game and also his broadcasting career. And then we get into the current blues and the offseason and where things are heading into the 2018-19 season. And uh, and that's kind of the theme of the conversation. Well, Bill DeWitt sits down, uh, immediately says, do not call me Mr. DeWitt. So I'm like, all right, fair enough. It's funny how you get these guys in here. You call like Senator Danforth or Mr. DeWitt. 
And they're just like, no, Jack, nope, Bill. And I'm like, all right, it's going to be awkward, but I'll do it, Bill. And he sits down and, you know, he uh, had heard good things, I believe, about the podcast from his son, Bill DeWitt Third, who was a guest, I think, back in, like, March, April-ish. It had to be April. It had to be April, I think, because I was down in Florida in March, uh, February and March. And, uh, and so it was cool that, you know, his son vouched for it and he came out here to do it. But I'm like, this is a different style of interview than it would have been if we would have done it three weeks ago. And part of the reason is that it is going to be newsworthy for Cardinal fans. Uh, it's also kind of a recap on a season that ended in a very frustrating way. And also, you know, whether the fan base identifies with me or I identify with the fan base, I feel a responsibility to ask the questions that I think the vast majority of the fan base at the very least once asked or is interested in hearing the answers to. And so therefore the, the style of the interview changes, which is completely fine with me. Uh, it just, it, it just changes. And so it certainly doesn't go into his background as a bat boy and, you know, businessman and all of those things. I mean, it's a, it's a newsworthy interview. And so, you know, we talk about what happened in, in 2018 and so I will give you his perspective. You'll be able to hear his own words. And then also talked about the frustration of the fan base and how it leads to potentially more urgency for the 2018-2019 offseason. So the table's now set for where I am coming from. And I, and, and, and with my wife asking about how'd everything go, because she knew I had all of this stuff going on, um, I said, well, let me show you this. And I showed her the clip that I tweeted out of Bill DeWitt answering the question regarding the potential for the Cardinals to get Manny Machado or Bryce Harper. And I think at this point, most Cardinal fans, I think, don't think that the Cardinals are going to be signing Manny Machado. I think in the back of their minds they would love it, but I think they know that's probably not going to happen because it's been discussed enough by uh, credible people who cover the team that you know, Derek Gould, for example, was in here a couple of months ago, and he said, yeah, Manny Machado, it's just it's just not going to happen. My understanding is he doesn't want to play in St. Louis, and if anything, it seems like that's Philadelphia Phillies all day long unless he falls in love with L.A. and, and wants to stay there after the Dodgers are done this postseason. So uh, Bryce Harper would be the name that theoretically could be the Cardinals' target. Um and so, you know, not that Derek says they will, but he said of the two, that one would be the more likely in part by default. So when you look at 2018, and I take us all the way back to Jupiter, Florida, you know, there were multiple times over the course of the two months that my family and I lived there that, you know, I would have conversations with John Mazalock, uh, a couple of them on TMA. Uh, one of them on the podcast and then a couple of them away from microphones. And it was surprising to me that he didn't, he didn't, I don't know what the right word for it is. Cause I don't want to say he didn't get, and I don't want to say he didn't know, but that when I said, you know, there's more frustration with the fan base right now from the fan base toward the organization than I can recall in any year that I've been a Cardinal fan. Uh, and he, you know, I'm paraphrasing, said something along the lines of, well, have you not been entertained? Kind of a play on the, the famous Russell Crowe gladiator line. 
but in reference to the success the team has had. Um, because he's thinking that, you know, I mean, he's been GM since after the 07 season, and they had a hell of a team in 09, but they got swept by the Dodgers. That was a very good baseball team. Uh, of course, a world championship in 2011, and then NLCSs in 2012, 2013, with a pennant 2014, and a 100-win season in 2015. And even though they didn't get to the playoffs in 16 and 17, it's not like they were a horrible team. And so I think that there is a different perception on the state of the organization from the organization's perspective and and and, and a percentage of the fan base's perspective. But when I talk about percentages, it's not like I have some kind of survey with 10,000 results from, from people who turned in their answers. You know, it's perception based on social media. And inevitably, it doesn't matter what the topic is, the social media people speaking are more often than not going to be negative. That's the nature of, you can go back to message boards, you can go to Reddit, that's the, that's the nature of it. So you do factor that in, but it is not like it's one or 2%. It's a healthy percentage. It is a really healthy percentage. And so when you consider that, the fact that people were frustrated going into the year and then it got to the point that the Cardinals parted ways with Mike Matheny in, in, in before the All-Star break. Uh, it illustrates that the organization caught up with the fan base with regard to its frustration. I think part of the frustration going into 2018 was based on the offseason. Uh, and that's just not something that John Mazalock really agreed with. Um, for example, one of his reasons was now, if we would have signed Ozuna, if he were a free agent and we would have signed Ozuna and that would have happened in January, people would give it more value than the fact that we did it via trade in December, because it seems like we've been very quiet. It just so happens that move was made and it was done via trade, uh, in December. So you had that element. You also had the fact that about a year ago, John Mazalak was a guest on this podcast and identified a 1A and a 1B of off-season needs, and 1A was an impact bat, and 1B was bullpen help. And when you look at what the Cardinals did to tend to their bullpen at the time, because keep in mind, Greg Holland wasn't signed until you know the start of the regular season, the Cardinals had brought in Dominic Leone, Luke Gregerson, and, and, and Bud Norris. And that certainly did not feel like attending to of the bullpen. Um, so understandably, the fan base was irritated by that. Um, and then with regard to something that really wasn't a focus, so much so that when I point blank asked John Mazalak if starting pitching was a need for 2018, so again, this conversation's happening in October of 2017, he said no. Uh, m most likely that wouldn't be a direction we would go. And the reason I asked that question that way is because if I specifically asked about Lance Lynn, then it becomes a different kind of answer. I think he feels like he has to answer it in a more political way um, because it's a former Cardinal and, and you gotta, you're in a weird spot there. But here's, here's the bottom line on, on, on the one that they absolutely scored on. If you recall, a large number of fans 
were irritated that both Jake Arrieta and Lance Lynn were out there in March and the Cardinals weren't pursuing them. And so I point blank asked John Mazalek about that. And he goes, okay. He goes, that's fine. Let's have this conversation. He goes, if we were to sign Lance Lynn or Jake Arrieta, just for the sake of the discussion, who would we replace from our rotation? And he goes, Michaelis, right? And he goes, and and this is a conversation we had, you know, this was, I think, in his office. I don't even know if this was when we were actually recording. And he goes, well, our metrics tell us that Miles Michaelis is going to have the best year of the three. And so we have no need from our perspective to go out and get get Jake Arrieta or Lance Lynn because we believe we have the best of the three. Now, because he was Miles Michaelis and he'd been pitching in Japan, many people understandably were going, well, who's Miles Michaelis? If you say we think Miles Michaelis is going to be better than Lance Lynn and Jake Arrieta in 2019, now I think you would have like a 99% agreement. But in March of 2018, that was unpopular. So that was really at the time, one of the biggest sources of consternation for the healthy percentage of the fan base. I don't know if it's a majority, but it's a healthy percentage of the fan base going into the year. And then when they signed Greg Holland, which now is being shit upon, I think it's only fair to evaluate moves when they were made in the moment. And then, of course, we also can Monday morning quarterback. But the Greg Holland signing was met with Huge approval. Now, if you were one of the people who said, you know what, he's going to be relying on a, uh, off-speed pitches too much and he can't locate the ball, and I think he's done, if you look at the, the way he finished 2017, God bless you. I was not one of those people. I was not on board with the Dexter Fowler signing. Not because I wasn't on board with Dexter Fowler per se. I just thought they were giving him way too big of a contract for a guy who was coming off a really good year in Chicago in 2016, but who, based on the vast majority of his career had been an above average player that didn't warrant that kind of contract. And he was in his early thirties, but on Holland, I was on board big time on board as a matter of fact. Um, so I was wrong. However, I don't think that I am in the, in, in, in a camp of like only being 10%. I think the vast majority of the, the people who were Cardinal fans were on board with the Holland signing. Um, there's also this element of the Marcelo Zuna, Christian Yelich, John Carlos Stanton thing that strikes me as revisionist history or lack of, of knowledge as to the circumstance. So you see Christian Yelich most likely become the 2018 National League MVP, and you go, well, why didn't the Cardinals get him? Okay, well, then let's, let's go back through that. The Cardinals were not necessarily all in on John Carlos Stanton. What the Cardinals were, were all in on one of the Marlins' three outfielders. And I think if the Cardinals could have actually had their pick and ranked them, I think it would have been Yelich, Stanton, Ozuna. Now, nobody's going to say that. Nobody's ever told me that, but that's my read. And it's not just because of on-field play. Uh, I think they would have told you this last December. Because you got to factor in Stanton's contract. You also got to factor in Ozuna's up after 2019. And you also got to factor in Yelich's age and his contract situation. But what they knew was that Stanton was going to be moved. And so they reached out to the Marlins and wanted to establish a rapport, not just with Stanton, but also if they didn't get Stanton for Ozuna and for Yelich. So that was the modus operandi. And so they don't get Stanton, but they do meet with Stanton. And Stanton just 
did not want to come to St. Louis. But there is a theory inside the Cardinal organization that wherever Derek Jeter set him up, Stanton wasn't going to go. He was that irritated by what had taken place and that irritated by Derek Jeter and the Marlins for acting like they held the hammer when in reality Stanton held the hammer. Stanton's contract gave him the hammer. So he went to New York. He wanted to be in New York City. That's that. So then you're left with Ozuna and Yelich. And if you remember, Ozuna was not, or Yelich was not on the market. Ozuna was. And the Cardinals wanted to make sure they weren't shut out, and so they got Ozuna. And keep in mind, Ozuna was coming off an incredible year. But that's how it all happened. That's how it, it all happened. And that's, that's, that's an important element of this thing. Now, you can say, well, they should have passed on Ozuna. But at the time, that's with the benefit of knowing that they eventually moved Yelich. At the time, after they moved Ozuna, they said that was it. And for whatever reason, they held on to JT Realmuto, and he played there the entire year. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know why they did that and traded Yelich, but whatever. They, who knows what's going on down there. But they, they traded Yelich. They held on to Realmuto. And also that the price the Brewers paid was a hell of a lot higher than what the Cardinals paid for, for Ozuna. Listen, I, I'm on board with anybody who says, yes, I would rather have, uh, I would easily rather have Christian Yelich. It's a no, it's a no brainer. I wanted to see the Cardinals trade Ozuna at the deadline. That's where I am on him. Uh, so it's not a case of being like, listen, the Ozuna move is great, but I know, but the circumstances, that's the thing, the circumstances, it's easy to go back and look at a poker hand. Once the cards are turned over, and go, why didn't you do this? But that's not the way the game is played, but it frustrates people. And I understand that. So that is how the fan angst got to be where it was going into the season. Then the organization was counting on Alex Reyes to be the guy. And you can go, well, that was dumb because he's coming out. Okay, it's fine if that's what you thought at the time. But I don't think that's what most people were thinking. They're like, God, we're going to get Reyes back. And now you're going to have this whole thing because the rotation was, was killing it in the month of April. And you get four innings out of him and then he's done. That's a, it's, it's just a real thing. Now, some people are like, oh, the media in this town's soft and you're just making excuses. I have my business and my income. If the Cardinals never speak to me again, will not be impacted. It's just irrelevant. I'm going to give you my honest opinion. And sometimes it's going to be really critical and sometimes it's not, but I'm not going to like scream if I don't feel like screaming is warranted. There are some things that I think you can certainly be critical of. But the fact that the organization ran into a high percentage of injuries for the rotation, which they were expecting to be able to count on, in particular with Carlos Martinez, Michael Waka, and Alex Reyes, it's a fact. Now, you can second guess, if you would like, uh, counting on Luke Weaver and not having Jack Flaherty up at the start of the year. I also think that's a little results-oriented, but especially when you look at uh, you know, the fact that Weaver was as good as he was to finish off 2017. But, I mean, he was he became a lost soul in 2018 at times. So that's a question mark, not just for 2018, but also for 2019. So these are things that the organization dealt with, which are just factual, and that put them in a bad spot. And so they're just kind of floundering. And, you know, candidly, I'm not sure how much of that is on Mike Matheny. And I still think that even with how well they played in the month of August with Mike Schilt. But I will tell you this. This is where I certainly will yield to those who are close to the team. Uh, and this is from a multiple person uh, 
sourcing, there's just a thought process that the world changed inside that clubhouse once Mike Matheny was no longer there and Mike Schilt was. Not just from addition by subtraction standpoint, with Mike Matheny not being the manager anymore, but positives that Mike Schilt brought to the table. And you saw that translate to great play uh, in the month of August. So some people will understandably say, man, look what the Brewers did at the deadline. Uh, you know, look what a bunch of these teams that are in the mix still in October did at the deadline. The Cardinals did nothing. But if you take yourself back to July 31st, the Cardinals were not not even really a playoff team. I mean, mathematically, they were lingering. But that was the day Greg Amsinger, a recent guest here on the Tim McKernan Show, kind of had his tangent on the MLB network. And when she just said, trade everybody, trade everybody, you know, trade Ozuna, trade Carpenter, trade Molina. And I was with him up until the Molina thing, not because I'm like, oh, you can't trade Yadier Molina. I'm just like, they won't trade Yadier Molina. But Ozuna and Carpenter, do it. While their value's high, they're not going to win this year. Trade them. And then the next month happens, and I'm going, oh, my God, the Cardinals are in the mix to win the National League Central. I couldn't have handicapped a situation more wrong in 26 years of observing this baseball team. I couldn't have been more surprised by what couldn't have been more wrong by what uh, my assessment was of where they were and how they turned around. Couldn't be more wrong. Then they did something that I just, I just, I truly didn't understand, and I said it in the moment. And that's the thing. It's, it's like, okay, well, if I'm on the, on the air, going, this is great, good for them for doing this, whether that be with Dexter Fowler or Greg Holland or the Mike Schilt taking away the interim tag, you know, you have to acknowledge that because part of trying to be as good and honest with the audience as possible is your judgment in the moment, not your judgment after the fact. Any asshole can go, well, I'll tell you what, sure didn't like that Ty Wigginton signing. But, you know, what did you think in the moment, and why did you think it? And in the moment, I didn't get why they were locking up Mike Schilt as as the full-time manager. And candidly, I still don't. And so getting to my conversation with Bill DeWitt, which you'll hear in its entirety when it debuts on uh, Sunday night here on the Tim McKernan Show, um, you know, that was one of the questions. And it'll debut on uh, October 7th, 2018. Of what was what was the point, and I and I and I didn't ask it in that way because then you get a crass answer if you act like an asshole. But I said, you know, from an, from I know you're very heavily analytics analytics based, and if you you know you're making a decision on analytics, I don't know what the real upside was in doing that, and I don't know therefore what the point of doing it was. And let me make this clear: it's not like I'm saying that the, removing the interim tag from Mike Schilt is the reason why the Cardinals didn't make the playoffs. But I am curious as to the timing and the reason and, and the way that they described it. You know, Bill DeWitt said, said listen, you know, it, it's just something that we knew he was the guy. We had an idea of, of who was out there, and we had a chance to see him manage our club, and we really liked the way he was communicating with the team. And I don't think that was intended to be a shot at Mike Matheny because I don't think it was a shot. I just think it was saying it was a contrast communicating with the media I don't think necessarily was a shot, uh, but a contrast. And we saw the way that he was handling our team. And obviously the results had been great. I just don't know what the point of was doing then. Do I think the Cardinals are in the playoffs? If they don't make him full-time manager. No, I think that would be irresponsible because I, I also think one of the reasons why the Cardinals were so good in August, as opposed to the other months of the season is because they had young players who hadn't been on the roster coming up and killing it. And those same young players faded 
for whatever reason, whether it be because they'd never been this deep into a year uh, or, you know, they just had a great month and they had a bad month, whatever it was, those same young players that led to a great record along with Matt Carpenter in August, the, all of them, including Matt Carpenter, weren't the same in September. So I don't know if it's the interim tag being removed is the reason. But I just don't, I don't know what the point of that was. I, and I still don't. Uh, I hope he is the right guy, but I don't, I don't get that. Either way, we'll, Bill DeWitt and I will uh, simply disagree on it. And they remove the interim tag. The team, unfortunately, kind of flops around. But, I mean, even on the Tuesday of the final or the regular se- week of the regular season, they're still the favorites to win a wild card spot. And they just win one game the rest of the way, and they look really bad doing it. And so you have, in all of these years of Cardinal baseball that I've, I've followed, a really unique year. And I actually would go as far as to say, now with some more information that we have, and I'm recording this the morning after the Cubs were eliminated by the Rockies in the wildcard game, I would tell you that it might be, from a Cardinal fan standpoint of wanting to see the organization go out and get a signature name for the middle of the lineup, I might even go as far as to say the absolute worst-case scenarios played out. And here's my reasoning. In the interview, you'll, he'll, you're, you will hear Bill DeWitt say uh, that, you know, it, it, I ask him, I ask him about the urgency for the postseason. And he says, well, you know, it would be one thing if we finished 15 games out, but we won 88 games, and usually 88 games will get you into the postseason. And so because of the fact that the Cardinals, like 16 and like 17, were in the mix, there may be a feeling in the organization that they're closer than they maybe really are. Honestly, considering how much I missed it, and by that I, I'm talking about my assessment of of where the team was on July 31st and wanting to see them unload damn near everybody, uh, you know, maybe I'll be off on this one again, but, you know, you saw five months of one team and really one month of another team. The thing that's exciting for 2019 is you do have all of these young arms, but the young arms have to be healthy and they have to be good throughout the year, not just for a couple of months. But the offense, for the most part, was not good. And I don't know how Ozuna is going to magically be better outside of the fact that it's his free agent year and you hope he's magically, as some players are, much better in their walk year. But at this moment, when you look at the offense, I mean, what excites you? Who's, who, if you're the opponent, scares you? And I worry with two factors that those who want to see the Cardinals be aggressive and bring in a big bat to be the signature bat in the middle of the order that the fact that the Cardinals got close may make them feel a little more comfortable than they should. And here's the other thing. And I don't know who else is thinking about it. Cause I'm sure most Cardinal fans are watching the Rockies and Cubs game and pulling for the Rockies. I think the fact that the Cubs uh, got eliminated in the wild card game and didn't even get to an LDS for the first time since 2014, I think that makes them more ambitious and aggressive this off season. And that's not a good thing. So I would have liked it if the Cubs had gotten to like the NLCS or something. They, oh, at least we got to the NLCS again. Now it's like, oh, we still have this core, but this was a disappointing year. And why was it a disappointing year for them? Why was it a disappointing year when they lost 
in the wild card game. What was the issue? Surprisingly, when you go through that lineup and you're talking about Javi Baez being an MVP candidate and you're talking about Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo uh, and the bats that, that are up and down that lineup that had pop in the past but didn't have it this year because they didn't score. You know, if you look at the Cubs, you got to go, oh, the Cardinals got better pitching, but, you, but you're the Cubs lineup. Well, the Cubs had some real offensive issues. Joe Madden talking about it, even in the middle of the, the loss to the Rockies, much less after the game. So then you wonder if the Cubs are now going to be more aggressive. And that's that enters in another team that, you know, maybe they were going to be aggressive as well. I just wonder if they're going to be more aggressive. So it gets to the topic that that understandably people want to discuss, which is, what will the Cardinals do this offseason? And I asked Bill DeWitt, point blank, even used the names, because the season is over and you can get out of the whole tampering thing, about Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. And would these be the kind of contracts the organization would be comfortable taking on? And his answer which to paraphrase was, well, we'll have to see what happens. You have to keep in mind there are 30 teams and many of them are going to be in the mix. Uh, And he also said, you know, we've been in the mix for free agents, but we haven't had a lot of success recently. And he noted on his own, we have been the underbidder. And that quote right there is what really got some fans fired up on social media, that he acknowledges that they've been the underbidder, but they have been the underbidder. But there is a sentiment in a healthy percentage of the fan base that the Cardinals are either cheap or not willing to spend money or because they get 3 million fans that they're just happy with the status quo. Now, this is where uh, there's going to be a healthy percentage of you uh, who will disagree with me. I don't share that opinion. I don't share that opinion. I don't believe the facts line up with that opinion, and I don't share that opinion. My reasoning being, if you are truly of the opinion that the Cardinals were pursuing John Carlos Stanton. And Bill DeWitt and I get into that. We actually get in kind of the weeds of that discussion and Stanton and why he didn't come here and meeting with him and the fact that he had a deal with the Marlins for Stanton. The two can't, the two can't exist as truths. You can't believe that the Cardinals were in on John Carlos Stanton and then also say they're cheap. The two can't, the two can't exist. I mean, you can say it if you want, but, you can, can't in good faith say it. Um, and this is kind of where people get a little banty about the whole thing. Uh, well, no, I don't. I think they knew they weren't going to get him, but they just did that to make it look like they were going. And I'm like, wow, you guys really think that, that they're operating at like some kind of fifth level Jedi shit here uh, that they would like meet with the Marlins and put a deal out there that the Marlins agreed to all while knowing the deal will never get done just so they could say they were in on Stanton but it was an act the whole time so they could increase their profits. Yeah, I just, you know, I mean, if, if that's what was going on, that's 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 Machiavellian and ingenious. I just don't believe that's what was going on. Um, and so, if anything, I would say I'm glad that the Cardinals didn't sign Albert Pujols after 2011. I'm glad that the Cardinals didn't sign Jason Hayward after 2015. I'm glad that they didn't get David Price. I'm glad that they didn't get John Carlos Stanton. I'm glad that when they have been willing to tie themselves to some of these contracts that I think most people would agree, oh my God, when it's all said and done, you can already tell you don't want those contracts, much less even a couple years in with some of these guys, uh, that that's, I'm happy that they didn't do that. But they have been, have been attempting to do it. But what about this year? You know, Bryce Harper isn't in his early 30s. 
Bryce Harper is a proven commodity. Bryce Harper could be exactly what the Cardinals need. Would the Cardinals make that move? I bring up Machado and I bring up Harper to build the wit. And my takeaway was, yeah, I think that they would consider it, but it doesn't sound like they're necessarily all in. But then at the same time, would he really be like, yeah, I'm going to come on your podcast and say we are all in on getting Bryce Harper, Manny Machado. So I don't get the sense that they're going after those guys, but I'm not willing to go, yeah, based on his answer, they're not going to. Here's the thing, and this is where Bill DeWitt and I, again, will have a, a disagreement. I think at some point this organization has to go outside of its comfort zone with regard to proven commodities who still have a lot of years of upside. And those don't come around too often. Very rarely do you have players hit free agency at the age Bryce Harper is hitting free agency. I mean, it is super rare. And so for a Bryce Harper, for a signature player in the middle of the lineup and what that can do for the organization, I would tell you this. Because when I asked him about it, he goes, well, I mean, one player can't get you into the, the postseason. The, the Orioles had an awful season. These are his words. And they had Manny Machado, you know, for the vast majority of the season. And the Nationals didn't make the playoffs, and they had Bryce Harper. Yes and yes, both are true. However, both teams weren't really close. The Cardinals were close. And I would say that had the Cardinals had Bryce Harper in right field, the Cardinals are still playing baseball in October. And I think, I think, I would hope that that's a, that's like a universal truth. I realize it's an opinion, but I think it's a universal truth. And so if you are of the opinion that you're close, then let's see them make a run at it. Um, and I don't know. I, 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 you know, Harper's a guy, you know, I was really surprised when Derek Gould's, you know, because I just always, when the Harper discussion comes up, I'm like, okay, Dodgers, Cubs, Yankees, you know, who knows, Nationals. But, you know, Derek just didn't disregard that one. And it's not like, you know, the the the, the soundbite that we posted on Twitter got a lot of hate tweets about Bill DeWitt, but it's not like he said we're out on it. He just said you got to be careful because you don't want to tie an organization to a contract that can really hamstring you from doing other deals to help your team, which to me sounded responsible. Uh, so, but I know that I know that some people don't like to hear that, you know, because I asked him, is there more um, urgency this offseason than previous offseasons? He goes, no, we're always urgent in the offseason. Well, I think there, I think there needs to be. Uh, when you have Bill DeWitt's own words that they have 9, 10, and then he also said, and if we bring Adam Wainwright back, 11 potential starting pitchers. Okay, if you have that kind of depth at starting pitching, which is super rare, and if you think you have a solution for closer, and whether that would be Carlos Martinez, and I personally would be intrigued by that. I'm not sure how much Carlos would be intrigued by that. Or Jordan Hicks. And then you, and I don't want to say solidify because then it makes it sound like it's solid, but you fix that bullpen then where is the place to tend? Well, the place to tend is clearly in the lineup. And candidly, the place to tend last year was clearly the lineup. Unfortunately, they got the wrong guy. 
But it's not like they knew they got were getting the wrong guy. They were trying to get Stanton, couldn't get him, and they didn't know Yelich was available. How much different is this baseball team if Christian Yelich is in the outfield as opposed to Marcelo Zuna? I would say they're in the playoffs. So, you know, I get it. I don't. I didn't like the Dexter Fowler signing. I didn't like the Dexter Fowler signing the night I heard about the Dexter Fowler signing. And again, I was like, oh, that'll be fun for 2017 and 2018, I think. But man, I don't know about 2019, 2020, and oh my God, 2021 too for Dexter Fowler? But, you know, they had their sights set on Adam Eaton. They believed he was exactly what they needed. And they saw the, the ransom the Nationals paid to the White Sox. And I think they panicked. And overpaid. I think it's the same thing with how Mike Leake got here, uh, and now they're still paying on that one. So I like the fine hand. Uh, I like the calm influence on on these deals. But this one with Harper is different. Uh, because of his age, because of what he's already done, and because of what he can do, and because if you do believe that you're that close, well, there's something that can transform it just like that. And here's the thing. For so many years, you've had a fan base and an organization that has had this incredibly copacetic, symbiotic, love-fest relationship with with the exception of a, a wing of the fan base being disenfranchised. Now, despite what has been an incredible run that goes back to the 2000 season, of the team being competitive in every single year, including non-playoff years of 03, 07, 08, 10, 16, 17, and 18, and all the other years they were in the playoffs, and almost all the other years they were in the NLCS, minus a couple, uh, what, 2001 and 2009 and 2015. Those are the only years they were in the playoffs but didn't make it to the NLCS. So all the other years in the NLCS. Uh, that now there is this kind of like, ah, Cardinals aren't going to do this. They just want to hoard the profits. They know 3 million people are going to show up. And I don't believe that that is their mindset. But that's the feeling of a healthy percentage of the fan base. And if that's the healthy percentage of the fan base, like we were talking on on the Ryan Kelly morning after today, and Doug said, ah, it's just, you know it's not true, so why even address it? And I understand that. And I get that. I get that. I mean, as somebody who's had people pop off in the newspaper about me, and I'm sitting there going, oh, that's complete bullshit, but do I justify it by acknowledging it, or do I just kind of go, well, you know, you want to believe this person or you want to believe me, I can't control who you're going to believe and I'm not going to engage, especially you're not going to engage in a party that you know is just not going to adhere to the truth. So you have no upside. But here I ask Bill DeWitt, I point blank asked him, does it bother you that some people think that you're not willing to spend money, that you're cheap? And he said, Ex- excuse me? And he didn't say it like, I can't believe you just said that. He said, he didn't hear me. And I said, does it bother you? And he goes, no. Not really, because I would expect that that goes on in most markets, that fans want ownership to to spend money and be aggressive. And I agree with that sentiment. But because the Cardinals have not been successful in luring uh, a huge free agent here since I don't know when. I mean, Dexter Fowler was the prize free agent following the 2016 season, even though he doesn't feel like it right now. He was. Uh, it has been a little rough here, you know. Now, I was all for Albert Pujols not getting the deal that the Cardinals put on the table for him. I think it was in the best interest of the organization. And I was thrilled that Jason Hayward didn't take the deal. I was beyond confused by the Cardinals' pursuit 
of both of those guys. Uh, very confused. Uh, it kind of concerns me, as a matter of fact. David Price, I would have liked to have seen them get him. Um, and I and I, I would have loved the, the short-term excitement of Stanton, but I believe when that's all said and done, that will be a deal that he'll be one of those guys that's like, yeah, the Yankees are still paying John Carlos Stanton this much money. Oh, my God, he hasn't played in two years. That's what I think is going to wind up happening with that deal that the Marlins were so kind to give him, even though they knew they were going to get rid of the team. So this one, though, this is the way, not that they need to do this, but this ends it. This is kind of like, this, this, this is the one that goes, okay, we are all in. You know, we disagree with the premise that we're cheap. You guys think, some of you think we're not willing to spend money. Some of you think we're just happy with the $3 million. Some of you think we're just happy with the fact that we won 88 games. That's not where we are. We are thrilled by our young pitching. We were high on our young pitching as it was going into the year. And after seeing what many of these guys, some of whom we weren't necessarily even all that high on, but then there were plenty of guys they were high on, like a Flaherty, for example, performed the way that they did, and we knew Michaelis was going to be good, and we've got a bunch of these guys coming back that we have a surplus, and we're in a great position for 2019, and we know we didn't get in the playoffs in 2016, 17, and 18, and we didn't really play great baseball in 2016, 17, and 18, and you're frustrated, we're frustrated. And therefore, there's a transformative player out there that we're going to do our damnedest to get. And we're going to go after him. And then if you're looking at 2019 and you go, okay, well, Marcelo Zuna's in left, Harrison Bader's in center, Bryce Harper's in right, Matt Carpenter's at first, Colton Wong's at second, DeYoung's at short, Still like to see him figure out something for third. But if it's Jed Jerko at third, it's Jed Jerko at third. And Yadier Lean is a catcher. And then you rattle off all that starting pitching. And I would imagine there's going to be a lot of tending to the bullpen this offseason. I think you have a fan base that is so fired up that the Cardinal fever that really engulfed this city from 2000 through 2015 would reignite. And that symbiotic relationship that the fan base believed the organization was all in would return. And here's the thing. You're not just doing it just to send a message to the fan base. You're doing it because it may make the most sense for the baseball team. Because you don't do it. For example, I mean, like, like what, what, what the hell were the Padres doing last year with Eric Hosmer? I still don't. The, the San Francisco Giants move, that was in the moment. When they're bringing on McCutcheon and Longoria, I'm going, what in the hell are they doing? They're they're on the back end of their run. They're not they're not they're not a player away. They're in rebuild mode, and you're bringing in these contracts. If the Cardinals would have brought in Longoria and McCutcheon, it might have excited some people, and you could have said, "Well, they're spending money." But I said, "They're fucking themselves for the next few years." But they didn't do it. And what did the Giants do? The Giants, you know, were bad, and they fired their GM as they should. By the way, that was horrible. That was so strange. Well, the Cardinals are close. The Cardinals are close. The Cardinals are close statistically. I don't know if they're as close as it may have looked based on August, but hey, listen, you can't argue with what they have from a starting pitching standpoint. That's really impressive. And and who knows? I'm not even talking about Alex Reyes yet. I don't think you can plan on Alex Reyes, but we aren't even talking about Alex Reyes. You have all of that pitching. The issue is offense. The issue is that you don't have somebody in the middle of the lineup that teams go, oh, crap, 
next inning, he's up. And I don't know when the last time you had that was. And you can say the name Matt Holiday, but, you know, really how intimidating was he for the final few years? So you haven't had that. And, and the guy who was the hottest bat with the most power was a guy that was hitting at the top of the order and I guess will continue to hit at the top of the order. So you need that. And if you know you're going to have Ozuna for another year, then give this thing a run. And so I truly would like to see them do it. And I think Bryce Harper could be the kind of guy who actually fits in as being a Cardinal player that actually doesn't need to be on Madison Avenue like John Carlos Stanton, you know, or, 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 you know, for whatever reason, whether, whatever the reason was, Hayward didn't want to be in St. Louis and whether it was the young core of the Cubs being part of history in Chicago, or he just didn't like St. Louis, whatever. I don't think you're going to deal with that with Bryce Harper. And so I, I, I'm, I'm truly enamored with whether or not the organization really makes a play there because that to me is the piece. There is a piece there that can put them in position to be a favorite in 2019. But if it's kind of this piecemeal thing, I don't believe they're cheap, but I do question their talent evaluation. And I do question what they would be doing there. They hit a home run on Miles Michaelis, and that was a home run that not many people saw coming. But, you know... There have been a number of moves here over the last three years where you go, ah, boy, you know, I mean, take your pick. I think we could rattle off 10. I'll put myself on the spot and see if I can rattle them off right now. Luke Voigt, a bag of balls for him. And then he goes and rakes in New York. Uh, Steven Piscotti. Now that was extenuating circumstances, but, uh, Stephen Piscotty, that, you know, that was not a situation that was only about the extenuating circumstances, and that was somebody they identified to be part of the core. Randall Gritchick was somebody who they identified to be part of the core. Tommy Pham, you know, less than five months ago, was thought to be part of the core, and it's not like he went and screwed around in Tampa. He raked when he got to Tampa. Now I'm just talking about things that have taken place in the last year. But if you want to go on talent evaluation, you know, Dominic Leone, Luke Gregerson. I mean, those were supposed to be the solutions to the bullpen. That's a problem. Uh, The Greg Holland one, I have to be critical of, but I'd have to be critical of myself, too, because I really like that move. But there's another one. I think I'm on seven. I know we can go to. Am I on? I'm on seven. Thank you, Gangster Pete. Dexter Fowler, Brett Cecil. There's two layups. And what's my what's my tenth? And I did I didn't even know if I could do ten. And I just rattled off nine like nobody's business. I'm sure some of you were listening and screaming out a name uh, that that the Cardinals have signed, and it was just an absolute debacle. Or they traded away, and then the player wound up taking off. Mike Leake had some good uh, outings for the Mariners this year. That doesn't warrant the contract, no. So I'll backdoor my way into 10, and either way, I think I probably could have gotten a 10. I just did this on, on and which is really weird. It's a podcast and not live radio, and I'm still going to open myself up here. But the point is this. That's the last couple of years, and I just rattled off nine. So I can get on board with questioning the talent evaluation in a major way. I can't get on board with the cheap thing. But the way it, it's all annihilated is you bring it, and it doesn't have to be Bryce Harper. But it's, it's, it's time. It is time. It, it legitimately is time. And it's not coming from a, 
this organization's cheap. I'm tired. I'm not going to support them. You know, that's not where I am because I understand the philosophy. But, you know, you looked at this lineup on opening day, and I don't think you got all excited about it. You know, I mean, I think you could get excited at the time, which may sound weird now, at the time about the outfield. Uh, that outfield was supposed to, you know, I mean, Dexter Fowler, Tommy Pham, and Marcelo Zuna at the time was thought to be one of the best outfields in baseball. I know it sounds like a joke now, but if you can take yourself back to March, that's where they were. But, you know, you look at the thing now and you just go, God. And on top of it, you know, Jose Martinez might be one of the better hitters on the team, but defensively, I mean, that's a material liability. And so I just, I'd be shocked if he's back with the team. So if you are close, put it over the top. And, and, and perhaps if they're going, you know what, listen, yeah, sure, we'd love to have Bryce Harper, but there are going to be 29 other teams who are going to consider him. And, you know, then you're going to have 10 who might seriously get into the bidding. And then all it takes is one other one to just go bat crap with their offer. And it's like, we can't do it. It's too irresponsible. We're uncomfortable with these numbers. Okay, it happens. I get it. But you have the surplus of pitching. Then, then a, you just you cannot go into 2019 with this lineup. And I'd like to think that's kind of a no-brainer and it won't even be in play. But it's time. And so I get that when Bill DeWitt's talking, and you'll hear the interview in its entirety here in a, in a few days, and I like it because it's the, it, for my money, if I were in his position, it's the way I'd, like, I'd, I'd handle it as well. But I know fans would kind of like the Mark Cuban style where he would just be, you know, going off half-cocked and going, of course we're going to be in the mix for LeBron James. Of course. What's going on here is unacceptable. That's not what we're about. This is, you know, and he's just like, well, there's urgency every off season. And, you know, we're going to look at things. And that's, that's, you know, realistically, I know it doesn't give the red meat to the audience, but that's the right thing to say. I mean, it's not like if they said, yeah, we're all in on Bryce Harper or Scott Boris would go, oh, I think we might be getting a good contract this off season. They know they're going to get paid. But if you're Bill DeWitt and you say, yeah, we're all in on Bryce Harper, well, now what happens if you don't get Bryce Harper? Fans hold it against him. You say you're all in Bryce Harper and you didn't get him, so you must not have been all in, so don't tell us that. Mazalek still hears about low-hanging fruit like eight years later. So that's the way that you handle yourself. I get it, and I understand that. I have to ask the question. I know he has to do the give the answers, and that's why I started off by saying, you know, when I interviewed Marcus Allen, for example, and he was a guest on the podcast, and I started asking about some things that went on with the Raiders, and his relationship with Al Davis. And I'm asking the questions and, and Marcus just like a, a boxer. He just, he just, he just steps out of the way of the jab. And then he fires one back that kind of redirects. the. And it's just like, it was almost like ballet what he was doing, but it was so effortless in the, in the manner with which he did it, uh, that I couldn't get my answer, but I still kept asking questions. Bill DeWitt is different. He stands right there and he takes the jabs but he doesn't care. And by that, I mean, let me be clear, by that, I mean, he knows there's criticism, but he believes in what they have done and the success they've had that he doesn't see a need to get away from it. And I understand that. But I think they're at a point here where what they did to have that success is outdated. And you also have a fan base that has in some capacity for part of it had blind loyalty that is finally kind of going, hold on a second. Let's, let's see something here. And whether that's Bryce Harper or another huge bat that would come at the cost of prospects as opposed to dollars, 
I'd like to see that be the case. I have to be honest with you, though. I have to be honest with you. Whereas last year, I kept saying throughout the offseason that I fully believed they were going to be uh, aggressive when it came to both the offense and the bullpen. And I guess I wound up being right, but it was like barely because when they got Greg Holland, I feel like that validated it, even though his performance did not. And obviously Ozuna would fall into that category regarding offense. This offseason, I'm not as certain. I know they'll tend to the bullpen, but when you're tending to a bullpen, very rare. I mean, how many bullpen names get people excited? Usually they're piecemeal players. On the offense side, you know, if it's not Harper, you know, people go, what about Arenado? What is this Arenado thing? I mean, it'd be great. I just am confused by it. I mean, the man's on a team that at the very least is in the NLDS, and I don't know why the Rockies would be so apt to unload him. I, 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 listen, if it happens, great. I mean, I couldn't have been more confused by whatever the hell the Padres were doing with Eric Hosmer and what the Giants were doing with Longoria and McCutcheon. So maybe there's some some kind of uh, batshit disease going on in the National League West that people like to make moves that make no sense. But otherwise, I, I don't see that one happening. I don't know if Pollock with the Diamondbacks would be a guy. I also don't know how much that would excite people. But at the same time, he's a hell of a ball player. He just isn't a household name like Harper. I just, they got the right field and third base are the spots. So it has to happen. And if it doesn't happen, well, I'll tell you, that would be, that would be really disappointing because the fact that the Cardinals didn't get into the postseason and in part the offense and in part the bullpen were the reasons was something you could have said back on March 31st. And uh, certainly the way it wound up happening, I don't think you could have predicted. I don't think you could have predicted him from firing the manager to having this incredible hot streak and the fact that it would happen because of Harrison Bader and Matt Carpenter going on some kind of power surge and because Dexter Fowler got hurt and you got that bat that was a liability out of the lineup and Tommy Pham wouldn't be a part of it uh, and Marcelo Zuna couldn't throw a ball, which is a fascinating thing really for any position in the game, but especially in left field. Uh, there's no way you could have predicted all of that the way they got there. But if you would have said, yeah, they they had a year where they were above 500, but they came up short of the playoffs, and it kind of felt like 2016 and 17, except you got one month of a huge rush uh, where everything seemed right. I think people would have absolutely believed that. And so the, the you can't have a fourth straight year of that. And considering the loyalty the fan base has and how it shows up and is passionate, I really would like to see the organization be aggressive this offseason when it comes to a bat. I, I truly feel like it has to happen because what they have right now is just not good enough. See, for me, with the Cardinals not making the playoffs, and I guess in a way it's kind of like, well, I should know better because I never would have thought the 2016 would win the World Series. But I'm kind of like, yeah, they'll get in the, if, if they get in that wild card game, I don't know, 40% chance they win, but they're not going to get past, you know, I mean, they're not going to be able to hit Kershaw and, you know, Walker Bueller and Rich Hill and, you know, that group. Uh, they're not going to be able to pitch around, you know, the Brewers, you know, in that lineup. So I, I didn't feel like it was a team that was going to do a whole lot anyway. But listen, I didn't think the 2016 was going to do a whole lot anyway. And hell, I thought the Cardinals should sell everybody on July 31st. So it's not like I'm right all the time, of course. But it does it doesn't feel like a big miss, you know. But what would feel like a big miss is if you have this incredible amount of young starting pitching and you don't solidify 
or tend to the two obvious issues that were the two obvious issues this time last year, and that is the offense and the bullpen. So there it is. You will hear Bill DeWitt's thoughts coming up. Uh, that will air on uh, Sunday night, October 7th, and anytime you want to listen to it because it's a podcast, subscribe to the Tim McKernan Show. Listen anytime you would like. Uh, Bill DeWitt presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Uh, Mark Hanna, the sponsor of our guests here on the Tim McKernan Show, and we bring them to you every Monday. This week, Darren Pang. The week before, Greg Amsinger. The week before, Andy Van Slyke. The week before, John Kelly. Uh, the week coming up, Bill DeWitt. The week after that, Chris Kerber and Joey Vitale. Uh, I know we have some politicians who are going to be in the mix. We have all kinds of things. Subscribe to the podcast. Support the sponsors. Without them, uh, we don't have a podcast. And uh, and that's the name of the game. It's the business. Someday I'll go, oh, well, I love doing the podcast, but was losing money on it. So, hey, that's that, that's the end of the podcast. But, well, that sucks. And I go, well, I know it does suck. I was the one losing the money. So that's why I say to you, hey, it'd be lovely if you'd like to support the podcast and sponsor it. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. But support the sponsors who are sponsoring it, such as Mark Hanna. And I say this with the greatest of sincerity. I don't know about you, but from my standpoint, I have a major regret about how I manage my money in my 20s and my 30s. I'm almost embarrassed by it. But there is someone who can help you. It doesn't matter if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is the guy. I met with Mark and was thinking that it would be good to have a new sponsor on the podcast, but I want to find out if he knows what he's talking about. And sure enough, after talking to him, I was saying to myself, I wish I would have known Mark 20 years ago because I would be in a different position now by managing my money smartly then. And that is the key that people don't think about. When it comes to managing money, and it's so important to sit with Mark, he opens up his iPad, enters in dollar figures. It could be for your 401k, it could be for your savings, it could be for your investments. And then he puts you and your family on the right path for what you want. He helps people every day and he helps everyday people build a strategy to get to their financial goals. He helps build a strategy to put your kids through college, to keep you from having to work until you're 95 years old, to not get blasted on taxes, and make sure your family is taken care of in case the unthinkable happens. His name is Mark Hanna. Give him a call at 314-889-0503 or check him out online at evergreenstl.com. I wholeheartedly can tell you about Mark Hanna and what he can do for you, and I'm telling you, it's a different world for me if I meet Mark Hanna 20 years ago. That's just... It's a, it's a, it's a major regret and it doesn't matter if you're in your twenties, thirties, forties, fifties to have somebody like him organize your income, organize your assets and put you on the right path. You can't put a dollar figure on that. This is something you need. His name is Mark Hanna at Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503 or online at evergreenstl.com. Uh, James Carlton of the James Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency a wonderful sponsor on this podcast, and now somebody I personally uh, look forward to talking to. As a matter of fact, I started off the program by saying we were in Las Vegas. James was out in Las Vegas, too, and uh, just, just a really good guy, but really sharp when it comes to insurance. Uh, Carlton Insurance Agency is in Webster Groves, and, uh, and he's just got a good thing going. I mean, he really, really does and somebody that I've had the pleasure of getting to know here over the last uh, year since he started sponsoring the podcast. And as it turns out, he's somebody that I turn to as well. 314-961-4800 online at carltoninsurance.net. And his name is James Carlton. And when you call there during business hours, somebody's going to answer the phone like that. And he does that on purpose. So you know 
for what your what are your biggest investments? Your home, car, business, life insurance. That when you call, somebody's going to answer and treat something that's that important to you in an important fashion. It seems pretty basic, but as many of us know, that's not basic in 2018. Well, it is for James Carlton, and that's just the beginning. 314-961-4800. And listen, here's one of the things that I know that people think. It's like, okay, I've already got an insurance person. I'm good. Thanks, Tim. It's nice that he sponsors the podcast, but, you know, I already got somebody. Okay, fine. Here's what I'm saying to you. They will make the switch for you. They'll make the switch for you. And therefore, you don't have to do all the paperwork that you're probably thinking you have to do. And on top of it, once you talk with James, you'll be like, okay, now I get it. Now I understand why he was raving about him. 314-961-4800, carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. So there it is, another edition of questions from the audience here on the Tim McKernan Show. A deep dive into the 2018 Cardinals and the 2019 offseason. What do you think, Tim McKernan? at InsideSTL.com. I know a lot of people will will write long emails. I promise you I read them. Uh, Sometimes I I don't necessarily write back with the same length of email, but I do read them, and I like the feedback. And if you have a question, ask a question. Uh, Feel free. It might be used for questions from the audience. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please do so on iTunes or wherever you may podcast. And please support our sponsors, Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com, James Carlton of Carlton Insurance Agency, a State Farm Insurance agent, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, uh, Seth Goldcamp and Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com, and Johnny Londoff Chevrolet at the Washington Elizabeth Exit off I-270 and Londoff.com. The sponsors make it possible. And, of course, the great Tom Schmidt at Salt and Smoke. He catered our uh, son's first birthday party. And uh, even though uh, a lot of people had heard us talk about salt and smoke brisket, some people hadn't tried it and they're sitting there and they're, they're having uh, dinner at our son's birthday party. Like, Oh my God, where is this from? And I said, salt and smoke. You got to check it out. The stuff's incredible. Like this is the absolute best brisket I've ever had. When I was in Las Vegas, I was thinking, you know what? Eh, I like this food out here. I really wouldn't mind some salt and smoke brisket. It's salt and smoke. They can cater your parties as well. Salt and smoke does an incredible job on catering. I can speak to it because I've used them. They're online at saltandsmokestl.com. Check them out with locations in U City and South City on Hampton. Let them cater your party. We did it. You'll be happy you did. Salt and smoke online at saltandsmokestl.com. For Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.